Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow. Cancel culture has not only affected myself and MyPillow, but millions of you out there. My employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for all of your support. At MyPillow, we not only have pillows, but we have hundreds of products, including my new slippers, bathrobes, sleepwear, and my new beds. We're offering the best gifts ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have this exclusive offer on the standard size My Pillows, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. We also have the queen size My Pillows, regularly $79.98, now only $24.98 with your promo code. And we have the king size, regularly $89.98, now only $29.98 with your promo code. So go to MyPillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1-800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. Welcome to Making Sense of the Madness. I'm your host, Sean Morgan. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda with our guest, Matthew Arrett. He's the editor-in-chief of the Canadian Patriot Review, writes regularly for the Washington Times. Uh, he's the founder of the Rising Tide Foundation, historian, citizen journalist, interesting guy to talk to about uh, China, about the Russia-Ukraine invasion uh, conflict, I should say. So we're going to uh, just dig into a lot of things today. Uh, but before we get into that, Matt, I just want to talk about some of the headlines, uh, because we've got uh, Biden basically being a front man for Obama. You know, as soon as Twitter was taken private by uh, the announcement was made about taking Twitter private by Elon Musk, uh, Biden launched this whole disinformation, you know, Department of Homeland Security uh, thing is basically a ministry of truth. And this was like right after Obama made this video about uh, how social media is not censoring enough. And we've got George Soros dumping almost a million dollars into the Wisconsin midterms. Dr. Burks is warning there's going to be a COVID surge around the midterm. So it looks like the Democrats want to steal it again based on the same hoax that they stole the last one. Uh, we've got all kinds of things going on with the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Uh, you know, this whole ghost of Kiev myth, uh, you know, the, the media and the Ukrainian government, they can't seem to get their story straight on whether that was just a video game or that was a real story. Um, and the U.S. is training Ukrainian troops in Germany. You've got Germany and Poland sending um, tanks and so forth to Ukraine. Some people are saying basically the U.S. is already involved. Of course, they're sending billions in, in supplies and, and weaponry and stuff. And a House Republican, Adam Kinzinger, is introducing a bill to give Biden sweeping authorities to wage war in Ukraine. So things are really, really accelerating and heating up and are trying to use this kind of biological attack false flag as some type of opportunity to enter a full-fledged full war with Russia. So I want to pick your brain about that first, Matt, about the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Uh, do you see the same thing I'm seeing with uh, the U.S.? trying to get involved, trying to uh, escalate this? Oh, yeah, most certainly. You, you can't make this stuff up. Eh? It's it's really theater. And I think that it's for people who are on the fence about how much of our mainstream media programming and, and messaging was fake and how much was real. I, I think the last two years have really been a big wake up call for many people. I, I came to sort of my conclusions a little bit earlier on. Um, in my personal experiences, when I started looking into 9-11 way back in 2013, no, 2003, 2004 was when I started a, a project where I was trying to make a documentary that involved 
talking about 9-11. And for the first time, I had to confront where reality and the narratives I was being fed broke down. And, uh, and it was a very quick and somewhat traumatic process where I finally came to my recognition that, okay, what we were, what we were told about the events that killed over 3,000 Americans and then justified the policies of not just a global regime change policy, right, that came out in the wake of that, <clears throat> with Afghanistan being destroyed and sent back. They were already in bad shape, but we really sent them back to the Stone Age, followed by Iraq. Uh, with targets early on set for Iran, for Syria, and even people like Dick Cheney going back to interviews in the 1990s, or looking at neocon doctrines like clean break that were adopted as a full-blown U.S. and and Israeli foreign policy under Benjamin Netanyahu, um, called for um, targeting Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Libya, Iran, in that ordering exactly, which is, which was the sequencing of how things happened. So you had that happen on an international level and inside of the United States itself and in Canada, there was the implementation of the Patriot Act of the creation of a security state, a surveillance state, uh, which hasn't really gotten less powerful in the last 20 years. This, is, this has been something which has been growing and bubbling and bubbling to the point that everything that we're being told, I would say, that has any bearing on anything useful, obviously, the weather forecasts of what's going to happen tomorrow or the traffic uh, reports often are not misinformation, but anything that bears on geopolitical assessments or how you should think about politics or economics is pretty much a lie. It's, 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 yeah, uh, pretty it's all, much it's everything fiction. they put out there has been a lie and it's been proven to be a lie. That's why I think is finally waking people up. Uh, in fact, when Donald Trump puts out a social media post, he usually lists all of the hoaxes like impeachment hoax, number one, number two, and everything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's happening so fast now, the cycle between, uh, especially with the bio labs in Ukraine and, and the ghost yep. of Kiev and things related to, yep. to this conflict, the cycle of realizing that the news was fake is just so much faster than ever before, isn't it? Yeah, I think the bullshit meter in people's uh, minds is working a little bit better than it used to, especially since two years of um, pandemic misinformation and, and, and messaging in the media regarding Um, how we're supposed to think about this thing called COVID and then looking at the reality of of what's going on. I I personally still don't know anybody under the age of 90 who's actually died of COVID and can be proven to be COVID and not something else. Um, So there's been just such massive fraud and lying uh, that I think has inoculated a lot of people spiritually and psychologically to um, fakery in the media that uh, they could sense it a bit quicker. But as you said, too, there's a lot more of it coming out faster. And the fact that, uh, you know, even ABC News last week or the week before, they put out a, a report bringing in a high level person from the Biden White House saying that, yeah, one of the techniques we're using right now as 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 far as uh, asymmetrical war with our enemy, Russia, and also China is um, lying to the American people in our media uh, coverage of Ukraine. He's like, yeah, that's what we're doing. And this person, this news anchor, who's obviously like either a bubblehead or a CIA shill, is just saying, yeah, that's amazing. Can you speak a little bit more about this great technique that we're using right now to destabilize Russia? And the idea was, it was justified by saying, well, we're, we're if if we say that Russia did something absolutely atrocious or terrible, it will prevent them from actually doing that atrocious or terrible thing. And that's how it's justified. And if that means also giving a false impression to the American people, well, you know, maybe it it 
could be seen as being wrong, but now we're just saying openly that we're doing it. So everybody's sort of in on the game. Isn't it great? We're number one. And uh, they're just openly coming out, just saying, yeah, that what they're saying in the media now is, is a lie. Um, th- then you have the question too, of like, when things cannot be put back in the bottle, right? They, some genies just can't be put back in. The biolab thing was a big one in Ukraine. Um, for years, I had done an interview with a, a bioweapons expert and I tried to do a little bit of homework. This is before, uh, right at the very big commencement of the Ukraine operation, uh, the military operation in Ukraine. And I wanted to ask a few questions and I tried doing some research on Google and page after page, it's just fact checkers saying there's no such thing as bioweapons. That's a, that's a conspiracy theory. That's not true. And then all of a sudden, here you have actual evidence coming to the surface after Russia has gone in, has actually captured material that can be brought to court that they tried to bring to the UN Security Council. Uh, and nobody, of course, at the UN Security Council would be willing to hear them. Everyone stuck their fingers in their ears and went, la, 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 except for the Chinese. They said, well, shouldn't we be looking at some of this data from the 33 US-run, Pentagon-run biolabs that are in Ukraine doing all sorts of shady, opaque research on uh weaponized anthrax smallpox other things like why are we not looking at this evidence all of a sudden then victoria newland has to come out and say okay well we can't put it back in the bottle so let's just say yes we we have bio labs but they're for research and they only become weaponized she says if they fall into russian hands then they become weapons but when we that was an interesting way she tried to spin that for her to say they're not dangerous. They're totally safe, but they could be dangerous if the Russians get a hold of them. So that just kind of admits that they can be dangerous. So, so that was not a very good spin job. Uh, but, no. you know, I think that was a really important moment in international diplomacy when Russia and China and India and maybe Kenya, a few of these countries got together and formed a block basically saying, we want more information about the U.S., biolabs research facilities worldwide, not just in Ukraine, but in Taiwan and various other places. We want more answers. And and Russia did provide some preliminary evidence there. And then everything's really been quiet and silent since then. You know, I thought that was a really heated moment where uh, there was going to be more evidence presented by Russia, perhaps, uh, that uh, the U.S. would be forced to give an answer instead of just uh, pushing it to the side like they have. You know, how could this unfold? Because uh, we've had Trump even demand that Russia release information about Hunter Biden's uh, bribes from the mayor of Moscow's wife and so forth. So are we waiting for some some disclosures before this hits the next phase? Well, I uh, I, I don't know exactly what's needed. You know, I, I, I've seen... Uh, the Russian foreign ministry circulate and, and make public what they could as far as documents directly from the Ukraine uh, Ministry of Defense and, and also Ministry of Health on a variety of topics pertaining to the bioweapons uh, laboratories that were maintained by the, the USA. As well, Hunter Biden has brought in yet again, right? It's almost like nothing you can do in Ukraine doesn't bring you straight into uh, the Biden White House. But yet again, here we have, you know, Metabiota, this military contractor managing and su- providing supplies and maintenance for these biolabs in Ukraine and in Georgia, um, who received its startup capital um, from Rosemont Seneca, which has just been erased from Wikipedia as well. Like a Wikipedia entry for Rosemont Seneca has just been erased as being irrelevant. Yet this is the thing that got its startup capital from, or that gave the startup capital to Metabiota, which is run by a guy who's a world economic forum, young leader, my God. Um, so 
I know that there are certain things that the Russians have been really trying hard. The Chinese have been really trying hard to get the world to look at and, and actually evaluate, especially the cult. Like there was requests uh, for a, a Turkish drone manufacturer by the, the Ukrainian government to supply these drones on the condition that they could release sprays that had, I think, a, a, several gallons was their, their requirement and that they would be able to travel at least a certain uh, I think it's several hundred miles in radius that they had to have that that ability. The Russians obviously have been looking at the fact, and Lavrov has been saying this before even COVID was was sprung back in 2017. It began like the Russians began speaking more openly about their concerns of the fact that there are strange pathogens being released in uh, Ukraine's border on the Russian side that is that have been doing a lot of damage to uh, cattle, to pigs, um, many people in East, East Donetsk. I think there were 400 or so who came down with a very strange, who died actually um, in 2018 or so of a very strange pathogen that was released. Nobody understands where this came from. There was no proper investigation on this. Um, so there's a lot of indirect evidence that the Russians have been saying, we need to look, open up the damn books. Like, please, you know, everyone's looking at simply, yeah, I mean, they, everyone's looking at the, the messaging from the World Health Organization about what is a pandemic, what causes these things, but nobody's looking at the 300 plus. I mean, now I think it, the last estimate I saw was that there's 330 so or so biolabs managed by the Pentagon around the world, primarily in 30 countries or around Russia's perimeter and, and China, some in South America, some in the Middle East, some in Africa, Nigeria. Um Total but these these could um, is the the official accusation uh, from Russia saying that some of these pathogens that were infected uh, by with they infected the birds the migratory birds in that region they could target the ethnicity of, of those people of those those regions there near near the Russia Ukraine border uh, we're talking about the Slavic uh, ethnicity there and is that this this opens up the wider conversation regarding china right because uh, people mm -hmm. in in the alternative media uh, i myself am doing it are covering these bizarre videos of the authoritarian lockdowns in hong kong and shanghai and so forth and it just seems like really overkill and but you are one of those people out there saying Hey, you know, China is treating this as biowarfare. So, how would you logically react if it really was something targeting the ethnicity of your people? Like, this is the the story. The news behind the news here. The story behind the story is that this is all like an unconventional warfare to try to depopulate various peoples around the world, right? Yeah. Well, I I, I think I first have to put out a disclaimer, and I think people are are not used to simply acknowledging that they don't know everything. You know, I there's things I don't know. I'm I'm a journalist. I'm trying to be as informed as I can be and triangulate uh, at the truth as best I can using a variety of contextual parameters that I, I I hold in my mind, and I come up with my judgments as best I can. Um, does that mean I have all the information? I don't. I don't fully know uh, everything about what's going on in China and especially Shanghai. But I do know that from the earliest moments of this thing, uh, back in January, the, the Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson was already putting out messaging tweets uh, saying that they that they are thinking of this as a potential uh, U.S.-led uh, bioweapons attack. We know that there has been online um, a program to weaponize or actually target certain ethnic um, characteristics in genes that could then 
do great damage to specific targeted ethnic stock, whether it's Han, whether it's Slav, whether it's other. Um, we know that there's also some weird things going on at the very beginning where look at Iran, right? No one's going to convince me that Iran is on board with the Davos forum. There's bad people in Iran. There's fifth columns. There's Soros money in Iran. I acknowledge that. I, I, I know that because I could see in 20, 2009 how Soros tried to get a color revolution called the Green Revolution to overthrow uh, the government of Iran, and it failed. So I know that there's money there, and I know that a lot of the, the money bags, the people who made a lot of money uh, working to liberalize the, the Iranian uh, economy, didn't get punished. They're still there. So I know that there's still factors there that are, that are uh, fifth columnists, deep staters, that have no interest in defending the, the nation of, of Iran or its people. Same thing for Russia. I know that Soros money was there for a long time. Um, they tried to get a color, a color white revolution in 2011 in Russia that failed. Um, that's why Soros was ultimately finally banned in 2015. And it's, it's illegal to open any anything affiliated with open, open society or Soros money in Russia. It's illegal now. It, it took them long enough, but still. So I know that the Russians and the Chinese have been looking at this, the Chinese early on as well. Like, so the, the Iranians suffered a lot of damage, especially with high, high level targets in their military and government who died early on of whatever this pathogen was. I'm not even going to say that this is a virus. I'm not going to say that I know that that's true. I'm not a scientist. I've seen arguments that have been persuasive that indicate maybe this is something other. But my point being is there is something <laughs> that is that you can produce in a lab that you can deploy that has effects in target organisms and that Iran suffered greatly early on. We saw people collapsing all over China with the uh, uh, videos and and often the slanderers who will immediately attack China say that they'll say that oh that's how we know that they're faking it because collapsing is not a symptom of COVID which is just not that different from a regular flu. It's like yeah that's true. COVID is not that different from a regular flu. But whatever the hell it was that was seeded or released in China causing people to collapse was not what we were given. <laughs> it was or it's not what what we were reacting to in the West. So there was something that I think the last two years I've seen consistent evidence that demonstrates that on the one hand, the, the official leadership of China doesn't want to start World War III. And as soon as you, so there's a, a certain openness to um, um, use the official messaging about the pandemic coming from the World Health Organization, from Xi Jinping and others. Now that's for the, because as soon as you start saying, oh, openly, now your highest official starts saying, let's say Putin or Xi Jinping start openly now saying, um, this is, we see this as a, as a U.S. led bioweapons attack against our people. Um, that's world war three. You've cut off all potential channels for diplomacy at that point. It's over. But like now but you Matt, go into full blown. Yeah. It is interesting to me that mm -hmm. following Chinese media uh, during the Trump years, there was not the type of rhetoric that there is now during the Biden years. Uh, mm -hmm. it's really anti-U.S rhetoric uh, yeah. now. They're blaming the U.S. for uh, what's happening in, in Shanghai and so forth. So yeah. that's an interesting turn, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think that the Chinese recognized that Trump was more on their side than a lot of Americans were able to comprehend. Um, and you could just see it. The growth of the Belt and Road Initiative under Trump's four-year uh, leadership grew exponentially. Like, most of, of the nations who jumped on board and signed up to the BRI, it's now 140, happened between 2016 and 2020. Um, the reason why was that Trump did a lot to make the international environment favorable to 
uh, such policies of economic development. He he cut off the um, the support for National Endowment for Democracy and other asymmetrical warfare operations that had, had been deployed in, in Hong Kong, in uh, Tibet, in Xinjiang, all over the world to destabilize uh, national governments, especially in Asia, uh, which was always designed as part of the CIA. These are these are CIA operations, the, the NED, um, tied very closely to Soros. And uh, and Trump did that. He he contr- he basically got the U.S. to focus on their own backyard and start re- rebuilding our own self-destroyed nation that had happened now over 50 years of self-mutilation. And he said, no, we have to start focusing at making America great again. He meant that's what he meant. And he also had a policy economically with China to um, get China, as, as we've spoken about in the past, to buy U.S. finished goods as part of the reconstruction of the of the destroyed machine tool sector of Detroit, Philadelphia, and other places that have been annihilated by the globalists over 50 plus years. And so to do that, you needed a market um, and China has a big growth policy. So that was going to be the market in the first tranche of goods was $350 billion to be purchased by China starting in December, uh, January of 2020, same month that (laughs) a certain thing is released, um, which derails everything. And that was going to be the first of several major tranches of purchase of flows to to harmonize our self-interest into a broader paradigm of win-win cooperation. Trump also had views for developing the Arctic with Russia, uh, building things like the uh, the rail through uh, Alberta into um, into Alaska that could easily then connect to a policy Russia has put on the table since 2007 for the Bering Strait rail connection. That's what Putin actually first put out officially, saying rather than militarize the Arctic in a war plan, which Dick Cheney and his assistant, Victoria Newland, right? That was Dick Cheney's assistant. They were pushing a, a, an attack plan with missiles set up um, in the Canadian and Alaskan Arctic pointed at Russia as part of what was already being built up with the expansion of NATO on Russia's soft underbelly, with every country being absorbed from the for, former Warsaw countries into NATO, being forced to then set up anti-ballistic missile shields. Very similar to what China was also looking at in South Korea with the THAAD ballistic missile shield run by the USA or the US military industrial complex, I should say, because it's not the same thing, um, pointed directly both at China, but also at Russia from the Pacific side. Um, you know, so y- you had this orientation by Trump to get a much more constructive uh, program of cooperation with China and Russia. And Trump said so on several occasions. How he actually said in May. 23rd, 2019, he gave a beautiful speech with the vice premier of China in the White House, in the Oval Office, and he gave a speech, bypassed the State Department, bypassed the deep or the deep State Department, as he called it, rightfully so. And in that speech impromptu, he basically said, how would how about the US, Russia and China, instead of spending the billions on nuclear weapons that can just destroy the world? How about we put these billions into things that actually benefit the world? He said that I got the quote. And uh, that scared the hell out of, I think, a lot of these psychopaths, including Soros, who said at Davos in 20, the same month that the U.S.-China trade agreement went into effect, Soros gave his speech at Davos saying the two greatest threats now to his open society are Xi Jinping's China and Trump's USA. And more recently, he's called uh, for Xi Jinping to overthrow. Exactly. I was just going to say he, he's also, you know, obviously been super anti-Putin. So uh, that's the last thing the globalists and Soros uh, want is to have a strong Russia, China and U.S., uh, you know, an alliance. 
so, so yeah, we know that Trump, through, not only through those speeches and his economic policy, but just the rhetoric, how he talked about Putin uh, saying, hey, shouldn't we get along? Isn't it better that we get along? And how he talked about Xi Jinping as you know, his personal yeah. friend and everything. Uh, but to look how the tides have changed since Biden has taken over. Now the U.S. is in a de facto war with Russia, and uh, you know China's certainly changed their tune uh, about how they feel about the U.S. Now that that the Biden regime is in charge, so um, so so you know people have this this confusion about China, and I want to dig a little bit deeper on this. You were saying that you don't have all the answers, and you know you don't have maybe a definitive answer on this, but. Just to get us to think about it from a different angle, uh, mm-hmm. th- there are people who said the 2020 videos of Chinese people uh, collapsing, that was a psyop. That was to scare uh, the West. And now the same videos that are being put out uh, today uh, are, are also a psyop. The, the, this is just a way for China to, to go rogue and, and to, to try to have... Uh, global power for itself and uh, that it's starting with its own people with a really authoritarian style um, power. And then it's going to try to take that out on other countries. So, but you're saying that it's a possibility that uh, the Chinese government is really taking defensive measures because they're perceiving that they could be being attacked right now by biological weapons that are targeting the Han um, ethnicity in China. Yeah, I think that that's an important uh, concept to hold in mind because w- to jump to conclusions too quickly and ignore context is very dangerous. And that's how the oligarchy gets us to always self-destruct. Uh, historically, every time we undermine um, a potential good, it's always by getting people like look at the case of just quickly, I'll, I'll quick segue, but it'll make sense. Othello, right? Shakespeare's Othello. What happens to Othello? How does he's he's a, a a Moorish general, a captain of the of the army in Venice. Venice is known to be the center of evil before the Venetian oligarchy takes control of, of London in real time. This is real history here uh, in uh, the 1688 Glorious Revolution and sets up the Bank of England. Before that, the center of command of this evil that was formerly the Roman Empire, which was formerly the Persian Empire, which is formerly the Babylonian Empire with its same satanic mystery religions and controlled cults. Same thing, it, it, it existed in Venice as the center of command, the global maritime force that controlled bullion, silver, international trade, the Mongols, the Ottomans, like everything. It had a global network of intelligence. It had its cults under a, a sort of pseudo-Christian veneer, but it was evil. And, and all of the intelligentsia, the intelligentsia of Europe understood this. And Shakespeare showcases this evil perfectly with the character of Viago. And Iago gets Othello, who's otherwise a flawed but good man, to destroy himself and kill his beloved wife, who loves him so much, uh, Desdemona, and he and also his friend, I think Cassio. Um, kill no different name anyway. He, so all of these good people are all self destroyed. How does Iago do this? Honest Iago is how everyone calls him. Everyone can trust Iago. He is the prototype of what Venetian intelligence is and how how it operates. And he's just whispering little gossipy things in everybody's ear, getting everybody individually into a state of paranoia of their their friends or lover or whoever. And uh, and finally, he gets Othello to become convinced that Desdemonia is sleeping on him with his best, sleeping with his best friend. 
And the evidence was simply planting a, a sacred little gift that Othello had given to Desdemona, uh, a handkerchief, and just planting it. And that little piece of smoking gun evidence was adequate to just confirm all of the gossipy stuff so that then it was like he passed the point of no return and he then kills everybody, including himself. And uh, and so today, I mean, I think the thing when people see images, whether it's in Bucha, um, we're given a lot of images of uh, and, and narrative framing around those images, pictures and video in Bucha, in maternity wards in, in Ukraine that we're all told how to think about them. This is obviously the evil Mordor orc Russians who are just, they, you know, they, they're anti-human. They just want to kill pregnant women and leave, you know, poor children dead on the streets. And it's like, first of all, it's provably not true. This is, these are, these are false flags, just like nine, like nine 11 was. It's not true. These are, that's provably so, but we won't talk about that right now. That's a whole other conversation. Same thing for like Shanghai. So the pictures we're seeing um, are, are shocking. They're ugly. Um, there's a lot of sloppiness in how, uh, Shanghai is being dealt with right now. It's 26 million people. It's almost the population of Canada concentrated in one city. Um, it is the nerve center financially of China. It is this, it's like this, the wall street of China. It's the center of global gold commodities market trading in China. If you were going to strike any place in China, uh, to get a big effect, that would be a very big, that's, that's a strategic place to strike and get a, a giant toppling. Now, if China actually wanted control of its people in terms of if it wanted a, a population that was uh, that had a, a cultural tendency to go along with the government, it already has that. Like that's that's just generally the, the Chinese cultural vibe is not to be it's different from the West. They have a different set of experiences in their thousands of years of history. Right. You don't need it's to a do group based culture. It's hierarchical. Yeah, they value the collective more than the their personal individual freedom as part of their cultural dynamic. That's that's where they're at at this stage of society. So they don't have to go and do a, a hardcore shock trauma on on a city if that's really what they want. I think that what explains it a little bit more to me is the fact that they have openly already been seeing um, this is either already or potentially even, even worse uh, bioterror attack by the United States. Um, the evidence for that is bountiful, including the U.S. I mean, the Kagans were part of the uh, Project for a New American Century, which produced the manifesto in September 2020, uh, 2000, um, which is tied to Dark Winter, right? The Dark Winter exercises run by Fauci, funded by Gates and the CIA back in before 9-11. They were already running these war game scenarios, before, like kind of like Event 201 that everyone knows about. But this is already Dark Winter looking at, well, I think the scenario was if Saddam Hussein were to release a weaponized anthrax or no smallpox, that's it against the U S population. How would we then respond and retaliate to Iraq? Um, they chose instead to go with the planes. That was another war game that they were working on for a year before nine 11 actually happened. They were already working on, well, what do we do if a plane run by Iraqi funded terrorists flies into the Pentagon? What do we, how do we respond and retaliate to, you know, uh, to Iraq? They chose that option at that time instead, but, this was happening at the same time that PNAC, the, the, the Rebuilding America's Defenses, was made public, published, um, calling for 21st century biowarfare, where these authors, including Paul Wolfowitz, um, Kagan's, Robert Kagan's brother, I forgot his name, um, and a variety of others, Cheney's among them, um, stated in the 21st century, how do we take uh, something like biowarfare and genetic targeting of pathogens from being in the domain of terrorism to become a politically useful tool? 
I'm almost paraphrasing exactly uh, like citing what they're saying. It's a barely a paraphrase. Um, and I, and I cite it extensively in my articles, uh, cause it's so powerful. That's a, that's a manifesto statement of intent. And what does it do? The Chinese have been looking at the growth of, well, everyone knows of nine 11, but they forget September 18th. What, what was that? Anthrax inside job, uh, Fort Detrick coordinated anthrax attacks begin for two months, killing a few people in the United States, but it, it's a psychological terror operation again. Um, which justifies, I mean, they threw a, a Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, Patsy under the bus, who was like a low level guy working at Fort Detrick saying, yeah, yeah, he, uh, this guy from Cleveland or whatever got radicalized by watching an Al Qaeda video. And he just decided to do this right No, he was expendable. But what that justified was then Victoria Newland and Dick Cheney were uh, co-authored with a few other people, the BioShield Act which took an already bad U.S. bioweapons infrastructure, which was already pretty nasty. It had already done work from the Cold War period onward against American people as well as Asians and Africans. And it took that already bad thing and it amplified it by a factor of several fold to become, I, I think, conservative estimates have that, that the BioShield Act resulted in a $50 billion bioweapons infrastructure, a lot of it with black budget funding, opaque, off the books, sort of uh, unauditable activities, which are now only now finally coming to the surface. And a lot of this was, was amplified again under Obama. And Obama had a right. So this is this is an unholy alliance between the neocon faction of the deep state and the liberals. And I guess Victoria Newland and Dick Cheney working together is a good example of that. But yeah, the the proof is in the pudding that they they rolled out this type of infrastructure because you mentioned before there's uh, you know over a hundred U.S. DoD funded bio labs all over the world and happens to be you know surrounding the other superpowers. So yeah, they said publicly that they were willing to go there to to use biological terrorism and biological weapons against others and obviously even on on, on our own people. Uh, actually, I suffered from from Lyme's disease, and it, it's speculated that 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 has to do with a bioweapon that was accidentally or purposefully released a, a, around a laboratory uh, within the U.S. as well. So <laughs> perhaps I'm a victim. You know, I, I suffered for a couple of years pretty badly with Lyme's wow. disease. Uh, of you know, so so not to mention the fact that the last two years. Perhaps we've also all been victims of not only a psyop, but but of a biological attack uh, against our own people. So yeah, it's time for us to start entertaining uh, these ideas instead of always uh, trying to use a scapegoat because it is so easy to take a look at China's uh, authoritarian uh, regime and, and take a look at their um, social credit score and so forth and just say they're the bad guys. You know, every, everything's their fault. Uh, when in reality, it's a lot more complex than that. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to uh, go a little bit deeper on the, the China issue. Also, see if we can um, go back to talk about Russia-Ukraine a little bit more. Hello, everyone. This is John Michael Chambers, the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. Now, did you know that annuities are a great way to protect a portion of your retirement portfolio from downside risk? And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax-deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they are probate-free and can provide an income you can't outlive. Let a company you can trust 
help you select an annuity that's right for you. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's 844-USA-2024. Tell them John Michael Chambers sent you. Helping their customers achieve global connectivity is the driving force behind this brand story. Satellite phones from Whenever Communications provide voice, SMS, and data services without the need for cellular network. So travel with confidence, knowing you're covered absolutely anywhere on Earth. Satellite communications uh, for me started after a disaster that happened in Indonesia. At the time I was in communications, but more of on a local cellular communications. We started looking for different alternatives uh, to stay connected. Cell towers go down, landlines are no longer available and we came across technology of satellite communications, uh, everything from voice to data. We give people the ability to communicate wherever they want to go, whether it's just helping somebody work remotely, or stay safe, or feel safe if they're going offshore, or have more redundancy for their business. So being able to give people that communications and reliability is really joy mine. Visit privatesatphone.com today for a free satellite phone with the purchase of a monthly service plan. Hello everyone, this is John Michael Chambers, the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. In early 2021, a short squeeze in silver was initiated. What does this mean? It means that individual investors can take advantage of a global supply shortage in silver that the large money center banks will have to end their contracts with physical delivery of an asset that is becoming scarce to non-existent. Low supply plus high demand will cause prices to increase rapidly. The only way to take advantage of a short squeeze is to own physical silver. Call my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, over there at Sovereign Advisors. They have over 27 years experience identifying these trends so you can maximize your returns while at the same time minimizing your risk. Call them today before prices go up any further. 720 605 3,900. Tell them John Michael Chambers sent you. Okay, Matt. So, you know, do you think there's any stone we left unturned uh, regarding uh, the, the complex relationship between uh, China and the U.S.? Because China has its deep state. The U.S. has its deep state as well. There are good people in, in both countries and in the leadership. So uh, where are we at right now? And where do you think this could turn? Because we've got a block. We've got, uh, in fact, there's like an official list of Russia says there are certain countries that are friendly and there are certain countries that are unfriendly. And, and they, they say that economically, but I think you could easily say it's politically as well. Um, so, you know, we've got basically like the BRIC countries, right? The, the, the Brazil, China, Russia, India, these are, you know, half the, half the world's population, uh, the future of the world's economic growth. This is an important block versus the West. Really, you know, we're talking about U.S., Europe, uh, you know, uh, Canada, Australia, the, the not North, I'm sorry, South Korea, Japan. I know they're in Asia, but it's basically the West and their old allies. So we've got these two different blocks going now. Um, how could this play out? peacefully? How could it play out violently? You know, is there anything that you think we should talk about regarding this type of warfare that's that's happening besides biological economic warfare also? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's, there's a lot to say. Um, I, I would say 
yeah, in, in terms of the humility required, a, a lot of people just have cognitive dissonance. We, we're we're afraid to look at the evil that has uh, creeped up and and taken increasing amounts of control of our own worlds. Um, and so that's where I think part part of it is is fear. Why we're so willing to look at other uh, parts of the world for the for to, to try to find the cause of our problems because we can't acknowledge that such an evil would have been permissible over the course of several generations, especially since World War II, to creep up and take control of our own society, of our own children. But I think now it's become increasingly, unfortunately, easy for some people now that the Satanism is so in your face. You know, they, they've got a, a new Canadian government report, for example, which is calling for extracting. This is officially taxpayer money funded report by a committee um, to extract um, all priests, uh, rabbis, and uh, imams from the uh, Canadian military uh, services for providing spiritual sort of services for the, for the troops and instead uh, provide a secular paganism. And each day that the committee meets, they have a uh, pagan prayer, this, this official board that's trying to revo- re- revamp the entire Canadian military. It's a pagan prayer. I was reading the national post and they cited a part of the prayer and it's like the, th- the, we worship the thunder, uh, our, our, our grandfathers of thunder and the mother of moon and sun uh, and worship this land. Did they that try is to so do it under provides... the, the guise of indigenous? Because I mean, that's big yeah. in Canada, right? You have a big, big indigenous culture, uh, but the, the Davos crowd, they really do have kind of like a Gaia worship, don't they? Oh, it's, it's complete Gaia worship. And this comes out of the, the pagan mystery culture uh, cults that were uh, like in before it was called Gaia, it was called uh, Sibyl. The cult of Sibyl was essentially earth mother worshiping cult of the Roman empire. It was one of the sanctioned cults, uh, which people like St. Paul and St. Peter were doing battle with. Um, that's the way the Roman empire worked. It's, you, you know, you had a committee of 15, they approved certain, uh, cults they gave them licenses to operate under certain deities, whether it's the Mithra cult, the uh, the Isis cult, whatever. And you could sacrifice your baby to it. You could do whatever rituals you want. And you could have your orgies to it. And you had like certain psychotropic drugs as well. That was a thing. The cult of Apollo was big on that. Um, but you know, obviously, the the monotheistic faiths of of that came out of the the you know uh, Judaism and Christianity were somewhat antithetical to this pagan, everything is true, thus nothing is true type of philosophy of the, the Roman empire system, right? Because if you could if you could have every God with its own truth, there is nothing true. It's kind of like today's multiverse, right? That they're promoting. There's infinite universes are possible. And that's what they promote both in science as well as our, our science fiction in, in Marvel comics movies. And so if everything is true and in a, in a, you know, nothing is really true, you could have infinite genders, right? That's why there's no such thing as gender. It, 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 it makes no meaning. Um, so... All that to say, I'm, I'm going on a bit of a segue here. Uh, that is the the what's what's taking over the the Vatican. It's taken over the Vatican under this Jesuitical uh, Freemasonic coup that did happen. It's it's fallen. I think there's good there's good bishops and good cardinals who are still there, but institutionally, it's kind of like the United States. The federal institutional side of it has fallen, um, as it has in the in the case of Biden. Uh, or whatever's controlling Biden coming in. And I would say even whatever's controlling Obama, he's a bit more of a smart puppet, but he's still a teleprompter puppet who could just speak a bit more cogently than a Biden, you know, but same thing there. There's this higher thing that they're run by and look at Biden's uh, Obama's career, 
you know, his Senate career was was funded by George Soros, who raised the first money to get his his campaign started as the and he did the first fundraiser for his president presidential campaign as well. And at that time, as soon as he was senator, what was he doing? He was sent with um, what's his name? Uh, Road Scholar um, to go to Georgia. Oh, I just forgot his name. Anyway, there, he was basically deployed to go to Georgia and set up a, a network of bio labs in Georgia and then a few in Ukraine. Um, that was oh, Biden. Well, that's going to bother me. Oh, I'll get it later. Um, <clears throat> but that's what Biden was presided to or assigned to, to set up. And then once he became president, what did he do? Well, in 2010, the Chinese, again, have been very vocal about this. We just don't hear it because our media has been obviously controlled. But in South Korea, he sets up the um, uh, a, a program called the uh, an executive order called uh, I forget the name, but it basically sets up the Jupiter and Centaur systems run by the the U.S. Pentagon and U.S. South Korean uh, joint systems, which is completely U.S. military industrial complex. And Jupiter is this sort of head of this bioweapons facility, doing work on again weaponized anthrax, plague, other things um, in the Keep in mind, there's 28,000 U.S. troops stationed in South Korea. The U.S. never left South Korea. We destroyed it in 1952. The war officially ended, but the troops stayed there. It's a U.S. military colony, and it has been through the entire Cold War. The governments in South Korea who are allowed to be in government are there because they've been vetted by operatives running very high-level positions inside of the U.S. shadow government. It's a, it's a colony, just like Japan which still has 50,000 U.S. troops stationed in Japan with military bases, um, keeping their pro-fascist um, leaders like Shinzo Abe in power. I said pro-fascist because people think, oh, that's Ukraine, isn't it? No, Japan. They, it's not just Ukraine that has Nazi and fascist war heroes as their current war. Like That's what they call them today. It's the our national heroes are Stefan Bandera, Nikola Levit of, of Ukraine. Well, in Japan... They also celebrate their Nazi collaborating war heroes as well. Shinzo Abe's party is the, the third biggest party in Japan. Shinzo Abe was the former prime minister. And he and that party is of the view that Japan was on the right side of history, working with Hitler to try to subdue and take control of all of Asia, where it killed 10 million Chinese and did uh, gruesome scientific medical experiments on thousands of U.S. and Russian POWs. Up, up, upwards of 500,000 people were uh, victims and who died under the control of um, uh, Unit 731 of uh, the Japanese Biowarfare Department, um, which was like dissecting people alive after they'd been infused with various forms of smallpox and plague and other things. This whole apparatus, just like Stefan Bandera and, and the Nazi collaborators in Ukraine, it was never pub punished in Nuremberg. They were all absolved of their sins by Ellen Dulles, the CIA, the same people who killed Kennedy and were and absorbed the into Fort Detrick. <laughs> into the U.S., uh, right? Yeah, Operation brought the Nazis Paperclip. to the U.S. You know, exactly. So, they, so they basically, were... we've got um, in South Korea and Japan, in your view, uh, this deep state apparatus that's basically to counter China, Chinese power, right? I mean, right there, uh, you know, North Korea is really just a proxy, you know, for China. As many people view it that way, and uh, and Japan's right at China's doorstep. And yeah, like you said, a lot of tens of thousands of troops are right around uh, in China's neighborhood there. So uh, this these are the two great powers in the world, you know, China and the U.S. And so 
could could this Russian conflict be uh, a prelude to a bigger conflict with China? Uh, and what would that look like? Well, you just have to look at, uh, first of all, Senator Lugar. That's him. That's the Rhodes Scholar who set up the Lugar centers, uh, the biolab centers in, in Georgia. I forgot Lugar. Um, yeah, so it's the exact same formula that is being deployed against Russia in the course of all of the NATO states being absorbed um, with their um, anti-Russian missile shield, their bioweapons uh, facilities, and uh, and more. That have also it's same formula around China. So you have 100,000 troops that are, that really grew out of Obama's Asia pivot. Um, that includes also military treaties and agreements with uh, the Philippines, a victim of a lot of Soros color revolutionary activities since the 80s. Um, Taiwan is the Ukraine of uh, the Pacific. Okay, just to be clear on that. I mean, it's like a um, black site where where the deep state uses it uh, for its anti uh, Chinese uh, endeavors. Like U.S. bio. Oh yeah, I mean, well, the, the entire Cold War, Taiwan, since 1949, with Chiang Kai-shek and the Kuomintang that set up shop in, in uh, Taiwan, right? Um, they were always allied to Allen Dulles, the entire U.S. military-industrial complex. They were always a, a military colony of the USA throughout the entire Cold War. That didn't stop with the fall of the the Berlin Wall. That continued, and it, it continues. Um, we know that the the drug production throughout the Cold War that was brought into the organized crime syndicates, often very uncomfortably connected to intelligence operations like the CIA as well in America. That's part of what, if you want to understand what killed JFK, my wife is actually writing uh, a beautiful, an incredible article on this, um, going through how the mafia, Mayor Lansky and others, were integrated with the Nazis from Operation Gladio that preserved the Nazi and fascist stay-behinds from Germany, France, and, and Italy, and it incorporated them into a singular apparatus with a command center that carried out the killing of JFK, but that ran also uh, opium and other forms of, of drugs, heroin, uh, fr- produced in, in Taiwan. And as well as Hong Kong, Hong Kong played a big role and still does play a big role as the CIA of the Pacific. That's how it is known. People think of Hong Kong as like uh, Chinese. Kind of, but it was a British colony up until not that long ago, until 97. And that entire 100 years of, of British Freemasonic op- operations that p- empowered triads that was that had an independent jurisdiction and government than anything that could be touched by China, by mainland. Um, that's still it's still there. That's why there was a big push to get U.S. and British flags to be behind the color revolution, which involved also. Nazi Azovs who were flown in from Ukraine to help out and coordinate the anarchists in, in um, Hong Kong in 2019. I would be curious to know if they actually dropped anything else in the water supplies or, or what have you from these biolabs too. That's a, that's a question that's out there that should be asked um, with a lot of Soros money. Um, and the, so again, the same uh, Azov people at, at January 6th as well. And in January 6th, it's funny, who's bringing these people around, right? Who's deploying them? Um People like a Russia Insider, a big influential news magazine that is pro-Nazi, um, but also pro-Putin, has a lot of, it's big in the alternative media community. People think of this thing as trustworthy because they have a lot of useful uh, articles on there. Huge Russia Insider, okay? They actually have, they're openly pro-Nazi at this point. They have a, one of their writers is Adolf Hitler, um, trying to say that all the problems that you see is the Jews. And that's this overly simplistic, the Jews. Um, ethnically, it's just they're they're intrinsically, you know, 
evil. So they're reviving this. And this guy was also the guy who runs it. Charles pretty Bosman. hard to do when uh, when Putin's saying he wants to denazify Ukraine, isn't it? <laughs> no, I know. I know that that really is, is I, it, it, it doesn't mesh with their with their narrative framing, but that's their job. And that's why Charles Bowsman, who was a former his dad was a CIA guy in Russia. He was there also in Capitol Hill. He's been working and trying to interface to radicalize more American uh, right like people on the right in the conservative networks to radicalize them so that they actually do um, start thinking of all of the problems in the way that they're framing. Right. And they actually justify then the type of domestic terror bills that are being put online by people like the, uh, the, the new propaganda minister, Cass Sunstein and others uh, around Biden. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a fake problem that's being created. These Azov people are being integrated with networks all over Asia, as well as the USA, as well as Canada, um, I'll just say it quickly too, you know, like the, the, the only neo-Nazi like white supremacist organization we've ever had in Canada is called the, the Heritage Front. It was discovered that Grant Bristol, who is the head, the, the, the top dog at the Heritage Front from its conception all the way through the 90s, was a, a CSIS um, asset receiving money directives and everything. And this was openly acknowledged by, by open leaks and, they, and CSIS even had to admit, yeah, yeah, well, you know, it was part of a greater good. We had a plan. Um, don't look at something else. Now, this, this, this was pretty obvious during the trucker uh, uh, protest when when Trudeau mm-hmm. was trying to to paint everyone as a Nazi and say that there were Nazi flags and and like the vast majority of Canadians. Anytime there was some kind of fake uh, fake protester there with a fake flag, they'd be like, "Get out of here!" You know, it, it was just so obvious that that that's planted there as controlled. Uh, opposition, I guess you could call it. Uh, so we are catching on to their games and, and something as you do your research, uh, I've been interested in the way that you describe the deep state, you know, as like an old British uh, system uh, and you talk about the history of it because, you know, it, it, for just lack of a better term, you call it British, right? Because there are so many other uh, facets of it. You've talked about the CIA, about Alan Dulles, uh, and so forth. But um, in the last remaining couple of minutes, could you describe how you think about the deep state uh, and how you categorize it just to try to make sense of it and how, how they think and, and how we can overcome them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Be human. I mean, number one is they can only exist to the degree that, that we can form our identities to their uh, definition of what t- type of um, talking cow they expect us to be who lives for hedonism, who lives for our momentary senses, who believe that our, we can only know what our senses tell us and we cannot see through our conscience and our, our, our mind's eye, which is more than our senses, right? Through reason that we're not supposed to access or tap into those powers. And uh, as, as only human beings can, right? Animals, you could train them through behaviorist, you know, reward punishment to get effects, but, uh, but a, a, an animal is not going to discover uh, a principle of the universe can willfully modify its own behavior according to its reason and conscience to uh, make a better world for its grandchildren puppies, you know, um, not going to happen. Only human beings can expand our identities beyond the limits of our, our lives and live for something beyond our, our, our mortal life and in honor of things that came before we existed. And this is this whole idea is is really expressed beautifully in the the writings of the new testament especially right that that we should love god love our fellow man act accordingly and use our reason that god gave us as a tool to the degree that we do that and we we focus on self-perfectibility we can get more in alignment with the way of thinking that people like benjamin franklin the founding fathers who risked so much to create a new type of society brought online we can activate that within ourselves 
and problem solve. And I think that in the United States case, I don't see a lot of hope in terms of forces that have leadership capability in Canada. But in the US, I do I do still see from the Republican network, the non-neocon Republican network that Trump was able to rally and activate, um, there is still viability there. And people just need to get more clear in their, their you know, be wise as, as serpents, soft as doves, as somebody wise once said, right? Uh, people are, are a little bit too soft. They, they, they accentuated the soft side. They, they lost the yeah. wise side. When you have the, uh, the deep state still trying to control the Republicans through these uh, rhinos, these Republicans in name yeah. only, uh, we do have to be savvy that we don't uh, just say every Republican is great. Uh, we have to be aware of those infiltrators. And I do agree with you that Trump is our hope because he is vetting those America First candidates and uh, creating qu- quite a red wave that's going to be coming here in the midterms. And uh, and yes, so I, I agree with you there. I really I appreciate your time coming on the show. Matthew Eretz, the editor of the Canadian Patriot Review and the Rising Todd Foundation. Thank you for joining us. And all you patriots, God bless. We'll see you next time. It's Monday through Friday, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. Signing off.